On this episode of Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick will be recounting their top three light side characters and their top three light side force users. Yes, there are two factions within the light. Cue the music. Welcome back to a special edition of the Star Wars Time Show. You know it's always special when these two fools are at the helm. But as you heard from the announcer here, we're going to get into our, our listicles that we like to do. You know, every every now and then on the special cast, Nick and I will like to cook up a, a fanboy-centric listicle to go over, to riff on, and just to kind of fanboy out on our favorite franchise, which is Star Wars. So this week's listicle theme, as you heard, we're going to break down our personal... Three, fa- three favorite light side users, so that's anyone on the good side that doesn't have the force, and then our three favorite light side force users. So, Nick, we're going to start with just the, the, the straight up good guys, the non-force users. So, in your opinion, I, I don't think we're going to rank these at all. We're just kind of throwing them out their top three. I don't know if you want to rank. I think they can probably swap in and out if i guess at the end of our discussions we if we're forced to we'll pick a top of each category but just throw out your first top light side character yeah so the the first one on my list like matt said not necessarily number one light side character and some people may argue with me here that is she a force user is she not i put leia organa leia skywalker Princess Leia, General Leia, Leia. That's my number one. And and the reason that I pick her is because throughout the entire original trilogy, she was literally like, she was the force within that trio. She was the one who, who led them. She was the one who was fighting most passionately for the galaxy. And if it wasn't for Leia, these cast of characters would not have come together. She was the glue you know, right. Luke Skywalker yeah, I mean, sees let's, that. Let's be real. Han was an asshole. Yeah, he was just... I, he, he never wanted to be doing any of the shit he was doing all the way up through Return of the Jedi. He was, I think, still questioning, like, how the fuck did I get mixed up in this bullshit? Yeah. I remember I told the Rebellion no all those years ago when I made that deal with Emphis Ness. I don't want to be doing this. So, yeah, she was the glue. And Luke, the same thing. Luke was like a, a chicken with his head cut off, basically. He's this young farm boy... He's full of, of passion and, and dreaming of the future and being a bigger and better thing than he was on Tatooine. But he didn't even remotely have the life experience, the, the, the leadership practice that Leia got being in Organa and really being mixed up in the rebellion from her birth. Yeah, exactly. Like he had no direction. Luke was basically given direction the moment that, you know, he saw the message from Leia within R2-D2. And that's really what drove him along his journey. He sees this message. He's like, oh, my God, I have to save this woman. Obviously, the catalyst kicking him into it was uh, the stormtroopers destroying his aunt and uncle's homestead and killing them, charring them to it. To, to uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's what pushed him over the edge because when it came down to it, he was still going to be little bitch boy, farm boy Luke. I mean, he, he basically said to Ben, hey. I'm going to help you get there so you can help this lady, but I can't leave. I can't, you know, I got to work the farm. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you to Anchorhead, and that's about as far as I can go. But 
she was the one and that's what always made her special to me in terms of you know as we've categorized these people these light side non-force users now yes she's definitely she's definitely on that fine line my friend especially yeah. after tlj and really a lot of the expanded new expanded you where you know she was going to take up training or did train a bit with luke but decided her you know services were best used to lead um, so yeah, I, I, trust me, I thought about Leia too. She's hard to discount as a light side user. I was also purposely trying to not pick a ton of mains, which I think we both did a good job with on our list as we go through it. You people will see that we weren't just sitting here going, yeah, good guys. Yeah, obviously it's Han, uh, Chewbacca and Leia, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay, done. Uh, and then light side force users, yeah, it's Obi, it's Luke, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, she, she's fine line, but I think the way she's characterized and the way she carried herself, I'll, I'll give you the pass there on just a straight light side user. And and she probably is the greatest or, you know, Matt Rushmore level light side. Yeah, for sure. If not the lead face, right? I mean. She's right up there. She's, she's she, she pretty much has been doing it since she was a little kid. Yeah, I mean. Know, trying to bring down <laughs> tyranny and oppression. Yeah, I mean, just go back, like you said, into the – to the expanded universe looking the the you know video games that happened in that kind of in between three and four period where she was involved she from day one she was gonna be how well, star wars rebels she makes a, at least an appearance or two and works with the rebels there and you go kind of fills them in like hey i am a rebel yeah <laughs> but i'm also serving as a senator and i'm kind of working from the inside out so yeah man she's awesome awesome all right, so my first light side user, and I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, this is my, this would be my number one if Nick was holding a lightsaber to my throat. R2 fucking D2. Oh, yeah. I don't know of a more impactful light side character across the three trilogies. I mean, he hasn't done as much in the sequel trilogy because he's kind of like Luke and got a little pouty and just kind of shut himself off from the world. But if you think about what this little astromech has done for our characters, for the mains, they'd be dead without this guy. I mean, he is, he's Mr. Clutch. He always comes through in a pinch. And he, he, he literally, from his best friend, is treated like a bucket of grease. So not only is he a hero, but he's a tragic hero <laughs> because of the way he is treated by what you would call almost his 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 lover at this point. Yeah, his hetero life mate, as yeah. as you know, Jay would say, and Jay and Silent Bob. But um, I mean, it's just it's hard to not include R two D two in this category because, like you said, not only the the original trilogy characters would be dead, the, the prequel trilogy characters would be dead. He saved everybody's lives when they were getting through that blockade oh, yeah. in episode one. And, and ever since then, he has been a constant companion to Anakin, to Luke, to anybody that, that he was, you know, in service to. And also just for a droid, for, you know, people think of droids as like these, you know, they obey their masters. They do what they're supposed to do. Uh, he, not him. Uh, no. Like R2-D2 knows what needs to be done to keep the people that he cares about safe. And that's what makes See, I, I, I always look at R2 as one of the first astromechs to almost become self-aware. And I think others around him learned from that. In particular, Chopper. Yep. Bucket. I mean, Chopper takes R2's self-awareness to a whole new level. 
you know, I mean, Chopper essentially will tell you to go fuck yourself if he feels like it. Where I think R two <laughs> would use, uh, you know, not as not as a aggressive term, uh, but he he's just he's such a character. I mean, he's a character again that doesn't speak English lines. Yet, as a fan, you can sit there and listen to him beep and bop, and pretty much know what he's saying. He it's just just like Chewbacca. I don't speak Wookie. Nick doesn't speak Wookie. But when he's sitting there going like, I'm like, yeah, he's basically told Han to go fuck himself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Same thing with R2. And, you know, he says something and C-3PO reacts like, hey, you piece of shit. It's like, well, yeah, R2 would probably say something to rile him up. But he also takes his fair share of shit from C-3PO too. So I love the guy. He's been through hell and back. He's been swallowed by swamp monsters. He's flown through droid factories. Uh, he's greased up B2s. I mean, he's taken down droids triple his size. So for a little simple astromech that was just meant to sit in the cockpit of a ship and take care of it, I mean, he's done some pretty big things with his life. Absolutely. So moving on to my second on, on my list, and this is where, so R2-D2, Princess Leia, definitely main characters, okay? Matt said that our lists are not filled with mains. And this is where we start to kind of get into these non-main characters. So my number two is, is Bail Antilles. Now, if you don't know who Bail Antilles is... I like is, that this is like... It's almost a deep cut. It, I mean, if you're a real fan, you should know it right away. If you don't, punch yourself. But <laughs> I like that this is a deep cut choice. I like. I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was like, what, what person has been staunchly light side for as long as he's been around? And, and is key, like, if he, if he wasn't there, we would be in some serious shit. And Bail Antilles is that person. If you look at what he's done from his time in the prequel trilogy and even, you know, into and the effect that he had on the original trilogy, he saved uh, Grandmaster Yoda from almost... Pro- oh, you know, hold on. You're talking about Bail Organa. Bail Organa, yeah, not Bail Antilles. That was my Yeah, Antilles, Antilles was his homeboy, like his... Um captain he's the captain of the tandem four yeah so yeah that was my bad i spelled <laughs> i put the fucking wrong name but i actually that dude the dude who's the captain of the tandem four is also a very a very good deep cut here i'm talking about bail organa i should shoot myself because i fucked that one up right, it, it's fine we i think we talked about this on the last cast i mean when nick makes mistakes he after the cast will sit down with myself. his cattail <laughs> kind of uh what was that movie uh the fucking the guy Tom Hanks he beats himself. Da Vinci, da Vinci Code. Code. Yeah, yeah. So after this, he's gonna take his Jedi robe off. He's gonna <laughs> kneel in front of his Star Wars altar and beat himself with a cattail. Yeah. So that's coming up. I don't know. We might put that up on the YouTube channel. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get like some masochistic freaks to start watching <laughs> that stuff. But so Bail Organa, his role not only within the formation of the, you know, the Alliance of a Thousand Senators, which was shown in the deleted scenes from the prequel trilogy. So so basically building the pre-rebellion. He was oh, yeah. he did that. He was always on the side of good and always on the side of the Jedi when it came to the prequels. He saved Grandmaster Yoda when he was escaping uh, Coruscant, made sure he got to safety. He, um, you know, helped both Grandmaster Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi hide themselves while Order 66 was being, uh, you know, executed along across the galaxy. 
he takes Leia in and fathers her, raises her from a child to become the the staunch rebellion leader that we see in the original trilogy and through the prequel, I mean, the sequel trilogy as well. Um, I mean, this guy... If, yeah, he's a pimp, man. Yeah, if he's it, a pimp. I mean, really, what he did in the prequels in particular rots, as Nick pointed out. Uh, I mean, you could make the argument that without Bail Organa, it's done yeah. for the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, he's not there to pick up Yoda, then... Right, I mean, Yoda was literally, he gave up. He knew he was beat. He was getting his ass kicked by Sidious, crawling through the pipes. I mean, it was all, I think it was planned to be picked up. But I mean, even just the fact that he provided the rendezvous for Obi-Wan to meet back up with them after his little excursion on Mustafar. And more importantly, he's the one that stepped up to take one of these Skywalker twins, which had to be split up. You couldn't keep them both together. And as Nick talked about with his first choice, I mean, without Bail, you don't get Leia molded the way she was molded to do the right thing, to fight for the little guy, to fight for what's right, so on and so forth. So while he really didn't get a ton of screen time in the movies, his impact on the Skywalker saga is strong. I'm glad that he did pop up in Rogue One for a bit. I mean, it just reinforces, Nick said, his connection, his his belief that the Jedi we're good and we're not responsible for the fall, this, that, and the other thing. Because, I mean, in the end, just as like we're kind of seeing now in American media, Palpatine succeeded in convincing the galaxy that the Jedi were the bad guys. Yeah. They were the ones that were the cause for the Clone Wars. It was their fault. They tried to kill them, yada, yada, yada. Um, so Bail was huge in being able to counteract that propaganda and get the Rebel Alliance formed. So yeah, that was him right there, Bail Organa, clear, yeah, buddy. top light side character. All right, up next, going the animated route. I actually have two animated characters on on my light side, so suck it, animated haters. <laughs> but I'm going with a with a very uh, fresh new character, and that's Kaz Ziono, Ziono, Zayuda, <laughs> whatever the hell his last name is. Kaz, but from Star Wars Resistance. Okay, why Kaz? Well. I love the guy. If you've been listening to us since day one, you know that we both love the guy, and we've given you multiple reasons why. I'll kind of recap a few of them for you. Kaz is not your typical Star Wars lead hero, all right? He's growing into one, but that's why I love him so much, because we get to see him as a kind of a vulnerable vulnerable hero at first, kind of a klutzy hero, kind of dopey, just with common sense and stuff like that. But throughout the first season of Resistance, we see through interactions with other people, seeing bad guys doing bad things, what he turned into by the end. And he now is a full-fledged, prototypical Star Wars hero, albeit with the Kaz charm. So I just really have appreciated how the character was written, how he has grown. Uh, He's funny. He's klutzy. He's smart. He's daring. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's a good pilot. He's just a very interesting new character that I am intrigued with and engaged in seeing how he's going to change in season two. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Kaz, and this is what we talked about when we were doing our Resistance recaps every Tuesday when the show was on air, he is unlike anything that we've seen in, in the fact that he wants more than anything to be a hero. Like, you can look at Luke Skywalker and like Matt said, until his grandfather and his or his uncle and his aunt were killed, 
he was just like, I'll get you where you need to go, and then I need to go back to being a farm boy. Kaz, from day one, from moment one that we saw him, he wanted to be the hero, and he has worked towards that for the entire time that we've seen him through season right. one. He didn't know how to be one the best way, but he did it in his own yeah. Kaz way. He, he got there the way that he you know, discovered and the way, you know, given the means that he was, that he was, you know, given put on this Colossus station told to be a spy by one of the most famous resistance, you know, people in the galaxy, Poe Dameron. And Kaz is like, well, I don't know shit about being a spy. I'm a pilot, barely a pilot for the, you know, for the new Republic. But I want to make sure that there is no evil in this galaxy. So I'm going to do it. And, it's a really unique position for a Star Wars hero to be in, to, to like actively chase down being a hero. And like you said, his development through season one and seeing him turn into that typical, that prototypical Star Wars hero was really, really fun. And he's got a long journey ahead of him with season two coming up. So I'm excited to see where his story goes. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, he's a dope in the most loving sense of the word dope. I mean, he's he's not like a Han Solo. He's not he's not real cocky and brash and in your face. He's not like Luke, where he has these these gifts and just kind of gets by on his on his gifts. He he uses what he's got, and that's a it's an intriguing personality, a little bit of piloting know how, and really he just knows how to work with people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I just I really appreciate the character. I urge those of you that have kind of passed on Resistance to give it a try. At least watch the first four, five, six, seven episodes as, as we talked a few casts back. It really starts to pick up after the mid-season break. But uh, it's it really the, the reason that show is great is because of its characters, in particular the leads with Kaz being number one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so moving on to my last of the light side non-Force users. And this is one... This is going to be a controversial one here. It's going to be a controversial one for for sure. Um, and I picked Vice Admiral Amelyn Holdo from TLJ. Boom. Purple hair. Purple hair. And I the reason that I picked her is because, again, similar to, to Bale, if it wasn't for her actions that she took at the end of TLJ, and not only the actions, but the way that she went about assuming command and leading the remaining resistance there would be no resistance the whole thing would be over and that's what that's what star wars if you look at star wars as a whole original i mean primarily original trilogy and then prequel trilogy the heroes are often not the most powerful characters so if you look at the original trilogy like we were saying you look at the heroes of that, and of course, Luke Skywalker is a is on you know probably the most famous hero, blew up the original Death Star. But then look at everybody else around him, you know, Billy D playing Lando Calrissian, he blew up his own Death Star at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, so he's a hero. You see Leia being the hero, the leader of the rebellion. You see Han Solo coming in, and if it wasn't for Han, then Luke Skywalker's dead and he doesn't blow up the first Death Star. Heroes. And it's the same thing for, for Vice Admiral Holdo. If it wasn't for her actions, the way that she led the Resistance, leading them towards Crate when 
in in the face of just tremendous opposition if you if you watch her arc in that movie poe immediately is trying to overthrow her and then he eventually does set up this semi coup yeah, he coups it up yeah and then later to find out like she had a plan the whole time. Like she was doing everything. Here's, she here's could. the one thing, and it's not the character's fault, but it is. It's a writing thing that I'll just never quite understand. When I first watched it, I, I could care less. I was just like, "Wow, I love new Star Wars." Why the fuck was she hiding her plan? It makes it, to this day, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I know that was like that was. It one makes thing absolutely no sense that I argued too, and like basically. The only thing is to like it was a lesson for Poe. It was for him to learn that like you don't need to know everything. Like you don't need to be like you need to trust. No, I, I, I get that, but yeah. you'd think in a life or death situation where everyone's just kind of sitting there, basically forming ulcers because they're getting shot at and they're running out of gas. You think the boss would be like, "All right, people, this is what's going on. If you don't like it, tough shit. This is what we're doing." Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to like try to figure out like a plot argument, you could say that, you know, maybe the you know the the first order could tap into the comm signal and then <laughs> right, she could right, hear right. you know they would hear her say like oh we're going to crate and then they would well, they would have figured it out anyways because she eventually says it yeah but I get it again I'm not trying to shit on the character this isn't a Holdo problem this is a a writing problem but I, I do I did I liked Holdo as well I mean I love Lord Dern so it was hard not to like her but the act that she pulls to take out essentially Snoke's ship and, and hyper hyper fuck the First Order, love it. it. Visually, it's beautiful. Emotionally, it's great. I, I get there's some people arguing out there that that should have been Akbar. I think Akbar gets way too much credit as a character. I mean, he said one memorable line. But outside of that, he's a fucking Admiral Fish guy. Like, also, Akbar gets that's, that's Admiral Akbar to me. It's like, okay, would would there really have been that big of an emotional impact if Akbar literally is like, okay, I'm gonna get up there, lay up, and I'll do it, by the horse, No, I mean, I, I'm not saying I like that Akbar was just unceremoniously sucked out and that's how he died, whatever. But he's fucking Akbar. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't... Who gives a shit? I, I, like, the shit that people worry about these days, it's like, okay. It's ridiculous. And I mean, look... The only other thing, Nick, that I think would have made more sense based on the real-life scenario that happened because of Carrie Fisher... Was to have her do it. But at that point, it was all shot. They really had no choice. Yeah, so. exactly. Like... Again, I'm not. I do like the character. I know why Nick picked her. I have no problem with it. I think the way she was written is why a lot of people dislike her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you're right. You know, the unnecessary hiding of information is it makes no That's sense. That's the one thing I, I just am <laughs> like. That that is just a weird, weird, weird plot hole. Like it makes it, it's just stupid. Yeah, it, it makes no sense at all. But anything else, I'm good with. She basically was childhood friends with Leia. Whatever, Leia would definitely trust her. And and, the, and her send off the first time you see it was absolutely stunning to see. Yeah. So, so. and then the implications that come from that, like literally the entire resistance could have been toasted if she didn't do that. So I think, I mean, she, she allows Poe and Rose to escape 
in BB-8. She essentially... Wait, no. They were fighting for the lightsaber after she blew it up, right? Kylo and Rey. I think it was yeah. like... Yeah, or it was during, like... Because I think the... I'm pretty sure she, she fucks things up. No, she... While no, they're fighting, but then when they're pulling the lightsaber, it's no. just, shit's already been fucked up. Because, no, it's like right when that fight ends with all the guards, she looks through... Ray looks through the, the scope, the telescope or whatever the fuck it is, and she's like, the fleet, we can save them. And that's when Kylo's like, nope. Cause so th- shit's still going south for the fleet, and she hadn't done it yet. But it's like right at that moment. It's like those two moments are kind of interconnected. Either way, great moment, fun character. I just got her action figure. I'm going to try to do something stupid with it, like make it a very action-oriented shot for a lady who's essentially dressed like a princess. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, your turn, sir. All right, and as I tease, I'm staying in the animated Star Wars universe, whether you people like it or not. And my pick is for a guy that started and animated and now through clever writing appeared in return of the jedi and that's captain fucking rex and yes i'm adding fucking everything here because that's just how i talk i haven't even been drinking today people it just happens uh why do i like captain rex well let me count the ways well first and foremost he's established early on in the clone wars which i think is a fantastic animated star wars series to me it's the only good prequel storytelling out there live action stuff yeah so We get Captain Rex there. You see the bond he forms with Ahsoka, Anakin, General Kenobi, but but more so with Ahsoka and Anakin. I mean, he's part of Anakin's 501st, which eventually goes on to be his his death squad. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Captain Rex was always kind of the face of the clones. I mean, there was, I think, four or five other ones. They've actually made it into the game. Nick and I always talk about, you know, Echo, Fives, Cody. Cody. um, Who else we got? Gree was another named clone, but he wasn't He's know, not uh, in. featured in the uh, Wolf was one. But it, Rex always seems to be the most standout, iconic clone from the Clone Wars franchise. And, and he was such a great character. They kept him around in Rebels, aged him, showed us you know, he's kind of bald, chubby, and he had that beard. And then, as I said, as Rebels continued on, they made it canon that Captain Rex is that old guy with a beard you have seen in Return of the Jedi since 1983. And I just, I love how they were able to tell his story in a way that started animated and he ends up canon live action. I I just, I think it's fantastic. Plus, he's just a great character. He's, he always has sage advice, but he's a tough soldier. He's a war hero. He's always going to fight for his brothers. He's always going to stick up and do the right thing. So, Captain Rex fantastic light side character yeah and i mean that's coming from a from a position like a clone trooper where they're essentially designed to be dispensable to be yeah, for nobody a, a yes man yes ma'am yeah so the fact that like you said he can overcome being a what's basically a, a nobody and then turn into one of the longest serving rebellion you know serving the light side soldiers all the way through i mean that was that's an unbeatable arc yeah i mean he just i mean just the fact that he's a clone that lived that long and and escaped the order 66 programming i mean he's he was a tough son of a bitch and 
I just what did it for me, Nick, is the fact that he went full, not even full circle. I mean, he he evolved into a flesh and blood character. Yeah, yeah. It was convenient. I'll I'll, I'll admit that it was convenient, but I love it. I love those lore nuggets. To me, that's what makes shit like franchise special. When you have little lore bombs like that, like the shit people worry about about women being leaders or people color, like I that that didn't even scratch my brain surface. I am always worried about with new Star Wars stuff. Is the lore going to be treated appropriately? Will it add to the lore in a great way that's going to make it even better than it was before? Yep, yep, totally agree. So that rounds out the top three light side non-forced users for both of us. You know, you can argue with me on Leia. That's okay. So let's. Goddamn, Nick's so stupid. He put Leia and she uses the Force. She used the Force to save herself in TLJ. These guys are so dumb. So let's move on. Let's move on to the Force users. The yes. people who the, the primarily the magic use people. the Force. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick out my number one first. And I kind of went back and forth on this one a little bit. I put somebody's name down initially, then I changed it. And it's a tough call, but. I went with Qui-Gon Jinn, top three light side force user. And here's why. If it's not for Qui-Gon Jinn, we don't get, you don't have a Skywalker lineage. You know, you can argue yeah. that, you know, that now that we know that Palpatine was Anakin's father and he was kind of orchestrating things in the background, you know, it may have all come to pass anyway. But as we see it in canon, as we see it in the films, Qui-Gon Jinn is the reason that, that Anakin Skywalker is who he is and what he turns into. He's the reason that, that Luke Skywalker comes to be. And he's also the reason that we have Force ghosts at all. At the end of Episode 3, Yoda tells Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, Qui- your old master has learned basically how to defeat death. And, and you need to learn this as well. And so do I. So his his lasting impact on the star Wars franchise outside of the prequels, outside of the OT and outside of everything, the prequel trilogy is, is almost as long lasting as anybody's footprint. I mean, he is, he is the character that set in motion the entirety of what we see in live action star Wars movies. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you could even make the argument yeah, he, he found Anakin, but you make the argument without him being Obi-Wan's master and the way he died, Anakin still wouldn't have been trained. It's because of Qui-Gon's dying wish for Ben, or, or Obi-Wan, I'm using his, his secret name yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I mean, his dying wish for his apprentice was, hey man, whatever you do, train that kid. Yeah. Train the kid. You know, so, I mean, you could make the argument that Qui-Gon is 100% the reason Anakin became Darth Vader and the Emperor was able to take over the galaxy and the the Skywalker twins were born, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, Because I think even if they said, no, we're not training him, he still would have got trained because of Qui-Gon's wish. Yeah, exactly. Obi-Wan would have gone behind the council's back to train this kid or, you know, he would have done what he needed to do to serve Qui-Gon the way that, that uh, an apprentice. Yeah, I mean, he's also responsible for creating one of the greatest Jedi ever. I mean, you gotta, you gotta argue that Kenobi is one of the best, one of the most impactful Jedi. I mean, 
he made some dumb decisions like everyone else during the prequel era because they're, I don't know, smoking bongs up in the <laughs> Jedi Temple. Who knows what those idiots were doing? Uh, but we can pretty much confirm Yoda's a bozo, Mace is a bozo, Qui-Gon's a bozo. They're, they're all bozos. Every master in the prequel area was a cocky asshole. Yeah. Right? Couldn't see what was right in front of their face. The hubris thing, just like Luke brought up in TLJ. So, yeah, I mean, I love him too. I mean, he had a bitchin' haircut, <laughs> bitchin' beard, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I liked the way he fought. I liked his sword style. I liked his attention to the living force, and he wasn't so much by the book. Yep. Um, which, obviously, rubbed off on Kenobi and rubbed off even more on, on Anakin. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he was so defiant that he wasn't, you know, like Obi-Wan said, if he would have just changed his ways a little bit, he would have been on the Jedi Council. He would have been one of those grand masters that are on the council but he wasn't right. like he, he he was a bit of a bad boy yeah he was you know a lot of people throw around this term gray jedi and really what they use as a like almost an archetype for that is qui-gon you know he's the one that like you said he functions in a different sort of space than the rest of the jedi he was way more practical and he was way more concerned with the things and the people around him, whereas the Jedi themselves, like we learned in the, the the Clone Wars cartoon series, they would literally let like planets get invaded or they would let villages get they, destroyed. They were they only cared about their fucking code. Yeah, exactly. Which was bullshit. And Luke said as much in TLJ. So did Yoda. I mean, it was, it was bullshit. So don't do this. You can't like people. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't 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 can't. Anytime you have that many rules, you're going to have something that happens like Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. You, you go with your first. Yeah, so force. my first light side force user here is going to be Ahsoka Tano. All right, I'm definitely on an animation kick. I don't know why. It's just where my head was going today when I was thinking about my tops. But I, I also didn't want to pick just obvious ones, even though my next two are pretty obvious. So... Ahsoka, fantastic. I mean, did I did I ever think that Anakin would have had a paddle on? No. So I like that aspect of it. I like her nicknames, Snips, I, I, uh, Fulcrum. I, I, I like the fact that she could bust Anakin's balls. I also like the fact that she taught Anakin a lot of things. Uh, the, the dynamic between Anakin and Ahsoka is so great in the Clone Wars. That's why I'm jacked beyond belief that we're getting it back and we're going to see that narrative play out finally when it doesn't just end with her being essentially quitting the order and and him being damaged by that Uh, we're going to see further how maybe her her influence pushed him or tried to keep him from the path that he ended up on Uh, and then you know she makes it into rebels and she's this whole different type of character she's no longer a jedi she's dual wielding these uh different sized lightsabers they're white bladed uh plus i'm not gonna lie she looks sexy as hell as an older tortuga or whatever the fuck she is i'm kind of creepy like that (laughs) Uh, but yeah she's just she's a very uh wise character where she's left in the in the franchise you know she made it through the end of rebels her and sabine were headed out to go look for uh, Ezra, but I, I just, I've always liked the character. Uh, she's, she's sassy. She's tough. Uh, she doesn't take anyone's shit. 
including the Jedi. I mean, I love that she basically said, fuck you guys. You tried to screw me. I'm leaving. Uh, so she's, she's a little orange badass. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, her personality among Jedi was what stood out the most is, you know, she wasn't this kind of, you know, force first, you know, I want to learn as much as I can about this or, you know, this obedience. She was very, like Anakin definitely, they were perfect for each other because she was very, I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm going to do what I need to do to save Yep. or to be great. So, I mean, I always, like I said, I loved how they interacted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's a fantastic character and I look forward to seeing where threads with her go in the future. So excellent choice there. So I'm going to go with my next one, and this one's going to be kind of, it's another one that's going to be hard to explain. So I'm going to go with Starkiller, and I know a lot of you may be thinking like, what do you mean Starkiller's that fucking light side? He was a Darth Vader clone. He was a dark side user. Play through Force Unleashed all the way, and you see the turn. You see the moment, and you see the fact that Starkiller had as big of an impact on the success and the survival of the rebellion as anyone did at that time. So Starkiller, a.k.a. Gallant Merrick, that was his real name, was essentially taken from Kashyyyk, Kashyyyk as a child by Darth Vader, trained to be his apprentice. And then throughout the story of, of Force Unleashed, he learns and he learned, you know, he starts on the path of the light side and ultimately allows the rebellion to survive with his sacrifice at the end of uh, Force Unleashed 1. Um, and if you just think about his immense, like obviously the Force Unleashed was all about how powerful the Force can be. And if you think about the immensity of his power, being able to pull down a Star Destroyer from out of the fucking sky, like just... Everything that you see him do, you know, throw fucking TIE fighters aside with just the force. And and it was incredible. And not only, you know, his powers, but his arc and and what he became within the rebellion and within the the greater structure of the light side of the galaxy uh, was really powerful to see in that first Force Unleashed game. Yeah, so I'm a big Star Killer Galen guy myself. I actually think, in terms of the uh, calling of the old EU, losing him in, in the Force Unleashed story as canon was, to me, one of the most egregious things. Uh, I just, as Nick said, I, I loved the story of that game. I mean, I loved the, the game itself, but I liked the story even more. I thought the character was great. I loved the way he looked, I loved the way he fought. And like he said, his turn was huge because at that time it was kind of canon. We saw who he was working with. I mean, he's interacting with Leia. I think Bale was there. Yep. Uh, he had some. You know what, dude? He now that I think about it, his light side outfit is essentially the model of JKR and Swago. Yeah, it's a little very bit right. Wasn't it kind of white hooded with some straps and shit? Yeah, if you go back and look at the at the outfit, it's not the one that's on the cover of the game, but yeah. No, that's when he's still wearing his badass dark side stuff. Yeah, but yeah, he he definitely has a, a look like. No, that. I mean he was he was a badass character. I mean we never saw the force used the way he was using it. As Nick said, he ripped down a fucking star destroyer. That's kind of impressive. Uh, dual wielder. I mean, he's he's just a he's just a pimp. Um, and like I said, it's, it's a shame that he's been scrubbed and he's now just a legend because I, I did like the, to the story they're trying to tell. Again, it all goes back to 
this they just added a new wrinkle of lore to the rebellion and i was like this is awesome i mean i live for that type of star wars shit so uh i, I do agree I mean, that's why star killer should be on this list okay so my next light side force user here i'm gonna go with a sequel trilogy person and that is ray i know a lot of you motherfuckers hate her think she's a mary sue i could care less I love the character of Rey. I, I've loved her from the first time I saw her TFA and I heard her theme when she's sliding down that, that dune on her shield or whatever it was. She's just a she's a different type of character. I know a bunch of people think she's OP because she's not a Skywalker and can use the Force. That's, that was kind of the point of some of the story being told in TLJ, which I do appreciate. But that's why I like her. I like her that she is kind of a nobody for now. And that she is a boss, and that she does have these powers, and that she does seem OP. Uh, you know, so what if she kicked the shit out of a a brooding, emotionally devastated Kylo and TFA? That just goes to show you how strong she is with the Force and what she can do with her own abilities to maximize her connection with it. Um, I, I like that she's vulnerable and weak in that first movie and, and then how she changed into the stronger woman in the second one, essentially telling the legend of the galaxy to shit or get off the pot. She was never sitting there uh, whining about how Luke was treating her. She was never feeling sorry for herself, sobbing. You know, what would she do in the end, Nick? Ultimately, she kicked his ass and said, if you're not going to fucking do this, I'm out. I'll do it myself. And that's what she did. And that's why I like Ray. And fuck, how can you not like her after seeing that shot from the new trailer? I mean, that just bolsters my case. That, that's, to me, I think is going to be one of the most visually stunning shots in all of Star Wars. It could be one of the coolest action moments in all of Star Wars when we see it play out in full. So, Ray from nowhere, love you. I think you're fantastic. To me, you'd go up on the Rushmore of light side force users. Uh, you're just, you're very interesting. You're not your prototypical force boss because you're not a Skywalker. You're not a dude. And you're just kind of a badass that a bunch of people want to be. Yeah. And what really makes her a badass in my mind is that she's a survivor. Like she was abandoned at a young age on Jakku. Didn't have like, you know, didn't have like Luke had. She didn't have a family. She didn't have an aunt and uncle to just look after her and treat her like any other family member. She had to survive on her own. Her only guardian, quote unquote guardian, was Ankar Plot, and he was just all he cared about was the the scrap that she could bring him. So the fact that she was able to not only survive in the harsh desert of Jakku, but also survive with the mental anguish of knowing that she was abandoned there by her parents, by, you know, who we assume to be her parents. And from probably the age of six is what she looked like in that scene that we saw from the age of six was just surviving on her own and, and made a life for herself. And then to find out that she is this, this force user, this, this light side paragon and take that on as, as willingly and as, you know, as powerfully as she did, it was super, super impressive. So yeah, I mean, Ray, you know, say what you will about, you know, oh, she's too powerful. Oh, she learned stuff too quickly. It doesn't fucking matter. Like Ray overcame adversity and deserves all of the, the power that she has. And she's used it such 
in such a magnificent way from what we've seen so far. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's like really people, for some reason, want her to get her ass kicked. And it's like because, I guess, Luke got beat up. But we understand, I mean, Luke was kind of bumble-fucking his training. And he was going up against the most, at one point in time, someone that was called the Chosen One. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like- <laughs> Ray's, Ray's fighting an emotionally frayed emo dipshit who just killed his dad and probably didn't really want to kill his dad because he doesn't know what the fuck he wants in life. So it's different to me. I mean, and that's why I like her. I like her that at first she was reluctant. I don't, I don't want this bullshit. I'm scared. I just want to find my family. She figures her shit out, does some impressive stuff in TFA, and then by TLJ, she's like, all right, I'll go ahead and take on this challenge. I'll go ahead and help all these bums because I have this these magical powers. Why not? Yep. I don't need to be a Skywalker to do it either. So I just, I love the character. Love Daisy Ridley. Uh, I would love to see Ray come back post this sequel trilogy, Uh, but probably not going to happen. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what, what, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm have in store for the, the members of the prequel trilogy, but we're moving on to our last one. And, up to this point, Matt and I have had no crossover yep, between it's our, our first characters. shared exclusive here. Yeah, and of course it would be none other than Luke Skywalker himself. I mean, if you think about the journey, not only within the original trilogy that we see with Luke, but through what we've seen of the prequel trilogy so far. I mean, of the sequel trilogy so far. Got those two mixed up. How dare you? I know. It's, that Luke was would like, never be in the prequels. <laughs> Yes, he's too way too good for that. He told us in TLJ how much he hated what happened in the prequels. Yeah, even you know calling out Darth Sidious by name, saying that yeah. the Jedi were blind. Good call out though, but but Luke Skywalker is the quintessential hero. He is all you know all that people gravitate towards when it's Star Wars. When you talk about Star Wars, people immediately think of Luke Skywalker. He is the the be all end all for Star Wars light side, whether they be force users or not. Characters. I mean, it just even in universe, he's everything. I mean, again, that's you know, Luke was a little wonky. I still don't like how he treated Ray, but ultimately, I, I did appreciate the direction they took to kind of show that you don't need to be a Skywalker to be a Force God. But Luke is also a a fragile human with emotions, just like the rest of us. He's he isn't Superman. And, you know, that can fuck people up. I mean, yeah. he believes he caused the down, the second down or the third downfall of the galaxy. And, and, you know, he caused the next galactic civil war with Kylo. And he just kind of was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm better off taking myself off the board. Yeah, so. I mean, he's human. And that's what really makes Luke special. I mean, if we look at the, the Jedi of old in the prequel trilogy, they, like they were they had a, a lack of humanity feel about them. You know, they were these staunch. Right. I mean, they were essentially brainwashed from the time they were babies to become Jedi. Like the the Jedi way was beat into them. Luke didn't start training until he was 18. I mean, that was like unheard of. You you saw how much of a fit they put up when they wanted to train his his dad at 10. And they just did not want to do it because you could argue, just like the First Order does with their, their troopers, they can script kids and brainwash them to fall in line with their ideals. So Luke didn't have any of that brainwash. I mean, that, that's why 
he didn't quite always listen to what Yoda and Obi-Wan were telling him. That's why he would run off head first, headlong, headstrong, whatever you want to call it, to go try and save his friends, this, that, and the other thing. And Nick's right. I mean, his arc in the original trilogy, uh, it's fantastic. He's kind of dumbass farm boy, gets lucky because, of, you know, he's got a connection to the Force and the New Hope to slightly arrogant Jedi Padawan in Empire who thinks he's stronger than he is until he gets his ass kicked. And then in Jedi, you have the humbled Luke who ultimately overcomes the failings of his father to redeem his father and ultimately take out, for the time being, now that we know, uh, Palpatine. Yeah, exactly. And he did one important thing that that made his training with Obi-Wan and with Luke so difficult or with Yoda so difficult. It's that he embraced his emotion where in the, in the original Jedi order that was run, you know, in the prequel days by Yoda and Mace and all that, one of their primary tenants was there is no emotion, you know, and that Luke quickly realized that, you know, in his situation and in in reality, it's impossible to function outside of emotion. And that's what really, you know, that's where Luke drew his strength from was for was was from the, the love that he had for his friends and his his sister and his family and his father eventually. Well, yeah, and, I mean ultimately what saved the world was the fact that he loved his dad dearly and, and could see that there was still Anakin in there. Exactly. And Yoda had never really been able to see past that like even within if you look at the you know the the moment between anakin and yoda in episode three yoda literally tells him like you have to remove all attachment from your life which basically meant that everything that luke felt for for his friends for his sister for his father if he was back in the prequel days in the in the jedi academy there luke would have told him the same thing this attachment weakens you and it's going to it's going to serve as as a means to your downfall in the end. And and Luke proved at the end of Return of the Jedi that it was his emotion that that powered him and that made him strong and that gave him the ability to shrug off the dark side when he was being tempted. Oh, he I tapped mean, into it. I, I mean I I still contend to this day there's no better scene in all of star wars than the last act of the throne room fight between luke and vader in particular where luke has, is hiding in the dark as vader is taunting him and reading his mind and he figures out about leia and that's when luke snaps that's when he he finally like his dad taps into that dark shit screams out no chases after him and starts beating him with power that he had never used before that's yeah. why, for the first time in the original trilogy, he was able to take Vader down handily, like beat him down. I always used to think, like, oh, you know, Vader fell over and uh, he got hurt because Luke chopped his arm off. When I was a little kid, I honestly thought that was the winning stroke <laughs> was the arm slice. That, that was nothing. The arm slice was the visual cue for Luke to realize he went a bit too far. Yep. You better pull yourself back, or guess what? You're looking at yourself right now. You have fulfilled the vision in the Force Cave on Dagobah. You will become the next Vader if you keep tapping into the dark side for hate and for power. But 
he needed that to take Vader down. Because up until then, he, he, his physical power was nothing compared to that of Darth Vader. Yeah. But because of his emotion, as Nick said, because of his love for his sister, he was like, fuck this. Tapped into it, beat down dad. But then, because he's Luke and not the weak Anakin, which, again, Nick has a good point. Maybe the Jedi and, and fucking with Anakin all, that, all those years, maybe that's why he was weak. Luke was able to pull himself back to the light and overcome the challenge that his dad could not, that Palpatine was throwing at him. And, and it, it is, it is, it's one of the most emotional scenes in the entire saga, if not the most emotional. Uh, it's just, it, it's a beautiful moment for me. I, it is my personal favorite moment. I will say it until I die. I, I just, they'll never top it. They'll never top it. It's, it's a byproduct of, the point in my life when I watched it, I was a little kid. I would tie it to my own dad, so I got all that stuff mixed up in there. Uh, but it, it's just—it's one of the more emotionally charged scenes in all of Star Wars, and that's yeah, why absolutely. I love Luke Skywalker. Absolutely. So that rounds out our top three light side Force users. That rounds out our top six light side characters and Force users. So, I mean, it's a pretty solid list, and, I mean, I, I feel really good about who we chose. You know, you probably could have picked all the mains like Matt said at the beginning of this episode but I th- I feel like the people that we chose and the reasons that we that we gave behind them really yeah you know they're strong and, and think strong. about I mean really think about it is Han Solo that great of a character he's, honestly he's, yeah I mean like he is at the very most a reluctant hero exactly I mean he was always the- bitching always whining and always macking on Leia I mean that, that was his M.O in the first two movies was to whine and Mac. Yeah. Then after I mean, he got humbled a bit by getting caught and needing to be saved himself, then he started to kind of come around to the, all right, friends are good type of thing. But I, I'm not going to lie, Nick, until I saw solo, it's not like I hated Han. Obviously I loved him. I, I just, it was Han, you know, he's Han. Yeah. He's Han. Solo to me added some character to Han added a little bit of humanity exactly i mean that's that's one thing that han lacked is that because of what you mentioned like his kind of lackadaisical attitude towards everything and like even at the end of return of the jedi when they're talking about like you know who's going to be doing these these missions you know lando gets called out as the general who's going to lead the assault on the death star and he's like han's like good luck like he still has this kind of nonchalant attitude towards the whole thing but then in solo like you said he gets humanized because you get to see him in a state in his in his orphan state and you know trying to make himself into something in the galaxy so yeah i mean solo really did a great job of of bringing out like the actual core of who han solo is yeah so you know we could throw on goldenrod this that and the other thing but there's always another day there's always another star wars time show and as we've always said there's always time for star wars time it's not that hard to figure out so my friends we're going to leave you with that next special cast or down the road we'll we'll flip the script and we'll do our our bad guys and our dark side users countdown so hopefully you enjoyed this listicle talk but now it's your turn to help us we helped you, now you help us. And how'd we help you? Well, we just gave you a, an hour of entertainment or an hour of boredom to put yourself to sleep. Either way, we helped you, so now go ahead and return the favor. And you can do that by going to StarWarsTime.net, 
hit that top right corner if you're on a desktop. Hit the hamburger menu if you're on a mobile device. And look for subscribe to podcasts. That's where you can subscribe to the podcast platform of your choosing. And we've got a shit ton of them. If you don't like podcast platforms, shame on you. We've got you covered with YouTube. That's in our right sidebar. Check it out. Click on the button and you can subscribe yourself. And once you do sub, you're not done yet. I know we ask a lot. But if you could like, rate, review on any platform as many times as it'll allow you, it helps us immensely, exponentially. It's amazing what those ratings, likes, and reviews can do for Star Wars time. So until next time, get to subbing, get to liking, get to rating, get to reviewing, and may the Force be with you. Oh. Oh.